0: Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone
1: right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no don't sweat, yo, cause there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast. A comedy podcast for people who love Sting music. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you for listening, Sting music listeners. And all listeners, please subscribe to us on iTunes, we're also on SoundCloud. And you can also follow and like us on social media. Head on over to Twitter and Facebook. And search for at there it is pod and give us a follow and a like if you don't mind. You can also support the podcast if you go to thereitispod.com. Uh, you can find the support and donate section. It would be very much appreciated. Fun episode today. I talked to my mom, Jackie Farr. That's her name. And she's great. She's my mom. <laughs> but we have a really great talk. We actually talk a lot about music of the 60s. And what it was like experiencing that era of music and that, um, I mean, all the stuff that was just going on then. But we also talk about what it was like to be a mom of a child who wants to be in entertainment. So if uh, you're in either of those positions, I feel like you can get a little bit from that discussion that we have. Without further ado, let's get right to it. My chat with my mom. Happy Mother's Day.
0: Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank uh, you
0: very much.
1: And thanks for being on. I know that um, before you had me, you uh, and Trey, you you had told me that you worked at A&T.
0: Uh-huh. And, and you, uh, at uh, um, A&T State University in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: And you were... Booking talent, then
0: uh, I was the program director.
1: How long did you do that?
0: Um, well, we met three years.
1: Oh, okay, but you got to see a lot of people because you told me um, that LaBelle came through and you met them, yeah. and didn't um, you meet the Temptations?
0: Uh Uh-huh, but I didn't have them on the show. I had Eddie Kendricks on the show, on a show uh, that was after he left The Temptations. Oh, okay. And he had some hits, so I had him on campus.
1: How are you getting Uh, all these people?
0: uh, Through a talent agency.
1: They all sound like they were huge, because when you were telling me about this when I was growing up, they were all big name people. So was yeah, this?
0: Yeah, I, I met Earth, Wind, and Fire before they got really big.
1: Oh, wow. So you had them on I, campus?
0: No, I met them at, they used to have uh, for the colleges, well, probably other people too, they would have these conventions mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times a year. At least we went a couple of times a year. And that's when I met um Earth, Wind, and Fire.
1: Is that how you met the temptations?
0: no, uh, the temptations were huge when I was just crazy about them growing up, like um you know other like people are crazy about Justin Bieber and groups <laughs> now. yeah, that's the way it was with the temptations yeah
1: and you did you just go to a concert and meet them?
0: Uh-huh, I met them, got their autographs and stuff like that. I think that was in Charlotte. I think we went to Charlotte for that. <laughs> but was David I met, Ruffin
1: play with them at that point?
0: Yeah, it was the original group when I met them.
1: Oh, wow. It
0: was them, yeah, all of the original people. Now the only one left is Otis Williams. Wow. Yeah, but that I met... Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I, I met um, the Ohio players like that. Wow. I met New Birth like that. Um,
1: like, uh, it's in just going to the concerts from or going through to the
0: conventions? Because the the, they were all new.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They were all new and trying to, uh, you know, they were trying to give them exposure to people who would be booking them at different places, right, and and so that's what um, that's why we went, and I met uh, Parliament, uh, Funkadelic, what? like, yes, yeah. <laughs> and this is all before they were really big, when Did, they were getting big, you know.
1: And you didn't have, but you didn't have all of these people on campus.
0: Well, Parliament Funkadelic was on campus. And uh, new birth was on campus, and the case I had on campus. Um, a guy named Bo Hammond, Uh mm-hmm. He was big for a while. I don't know what he's doing now, but back then he was he was he got big,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I had him on campus. Uh, but probably the nicest people were uh La Belle. Patty Labelle, Patti LaBelle and, and uh Labelle. They were they were so nice. They stayed on campus.
1: Yeah, I think you did mention that. Did yeah. Patty La make any pies?
0: Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> No. No, she didn't cook. But we had them in the president's suite which which had a kitchen. Mm-hmm. But they didn't cook. They came in time uh, to get settled and everything for the show. And then they they stayed overnight and left in the morning. And they were just as nice as they could be.
1: That's Down nice.
0: To earth, that's always
1: nice to hear. Yeah. Patty LaBelle seems like she would be, though.
0: Yeah, all of them weren't like that.
1: Yeah, that's always disappointing. So when you didn't have people, like you didn't have Earth, Wind, and Fire, what was the the decision behind that? Were they just not what we know them to be at that time?
0: Oh, saw? no, they were, I'm sure. Uh, but um, right after we saw them at the convention, they just blew up.
1: Oh, uh, so they were just out of your price range before, at that
0: point? Yeah, before we knew it, they were out of our price. By the time they had a couple of hit songs. They were out of our price range.
1: Mm, Yeah. So, when you were having people, what kind of decision making were you all uh, choosing from to to pick acts?
0: The student base. You know, we would add, we had students working with us. Hmm. We would get uh, their feedback on who they liked and who. Who they wanted to have, and uh, a lot of the groups then were out of our price range.
1: Right. So. But them getting to see people like Eddie Kendricks and Labelle and yeah. and, and uh, Parliament. Loved, or did uh, you say you had Parliament on? You had Parliament. Yeah, on.
0: we had them Parliament's Bunkadelic.
1: I mean, that's pretty great that they got to see that stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> who, yeah, it was. Said? You said that not everyone was nice and down to earth. Was there any just nightmare situation that you all had?
0: Uh, one, that, that um. well, I already mentioned them. They got a little out of hand, but they weren't m- m- mean or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just said some things in their show.
1: Yeah, uh, what everyone would expect them.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing is they were so new. The students, the students weren't really uh ah. Uh, ready for mm-hmm. to hear them say some things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. they they wanted to. They they at one point they almost wanted to fight a couple of the guys, <laughs> but uh, it it, was, it turned out okay.
1: Oh, <laughs> you knew Bootsy a lot Collins of. And Bootsy Collins was there? Yes. That? Oh gosh, Bootsy's <laughs> crazy though. Well, all of yes. them are. I mean, George Clinton is. <laughs> It's awesome. yes,
0: they were they they said they played real well, put on a really good show,
2: yeah, but
0: it's just that they said some things in their show that the students weren't uh didn't know d- didn't know they did, they didn't know they did shows like that,
1: yeah, they were and shocked. Made
0: outrageous comments right. like that, and uh so it almost set. Up. <laughs> a mini riot, but it calmed down. <laughs> they went on; but they did a full show, and it was really nice.
1: That's good. So that was a, sounds like a really great experience.
0: It was. <laughs> it um, was enjoyed it. That was probably my favorite job.
1: Yeah, and the, but that was your only job that was kind of involving the entertainment industry, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. uh, right. The rest of them were um, teaching or guidance positions.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah, but still with um, education, I guess, because though that job was an entertainment-related job, it was at a university.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Um, So. So you... I didn't know that you were going to all these concerts and getting to see, you know, people like the Temptations and stuff like that. What other concerts were you going to that were of note like that?
0: Um, concerts that I went to or conventions.
1: Um, we'll just ask that you saw whether it was conventions or concerts.
0: Oh, um,. The Commodores. I saw James Brown. I didn't know you saw James Brown. Times. Several times. And that what? was here at home. Uh, we would go to all of the... kind con- We saw the, Mo- the full Motown review. So I got to see Gladys Knight and the Pips oh. several times. Uh, the Supremes, uh, before they really blew up. And uh, right after they blew up. But uh, when they got to the real glamorous stage, then we uh, I didn't see them anymore. Mm. Um, I when saw you saw
1: them, <laughs> them before the, they blew up, did did you see them and say, oh, they're going to be something big one day? Was well, it they, were,
0: they were big then. Um, you know, they had hit records then. Mm-hmm. This was at the beginning of their career. I'm talking about before they really, really got rich and famous and blew up into the glamour girls you know with the with the ball gowns and stuff like that
1: i always say that you know we're always kind of living as time goes on we're always living in a good time period because we have all the great things of the past but if you were around in the 60s or 70s you got to see some really amazing musical acts
0: yes uh uh-huh uh, even group, even people that you probably haven't heard of, like Billy Eckstein mm-hmm. and um, Arthur Price. Like, these were jazz people. And, and um, oh, I saw Lou Rawls. Oh, my goodness, he was so good. And because uh, uh, I really, back in the 60s, I was just as into jazz as i was rhythm and blues mm. and late soul music we saw the OJ's.
1: yeah you have a lot of oj's records
0: yeah there were some legends that i want i wish i had seen i never saw lena Horne. i never saw nat king cole live never saw sammy davis jr mm. live uh you know just on TV and in movies, things like that. Didn't get to see Ella Fitzgerald or Dinah Washington or Sarah Vaughn. I didn't get to see any of those legends live, and I wish I had. I did see B.B. King.
1: Yeah, and you Bob were with me, Yes,
0: I took you to, <laughs> and Roberta Flack, I saw her several times. Mm-hmm. I saw Minnie Ripperton once.
1: Oh, that's nice. Maya Rudolph, yes. mom.
0: It was, yeah, that was a really nice show.
1: What was it like in the 60s with what was going on musically at that time? You had the Beatles, you had what was going on in Motown, like all the different acts from Motown. You and had
0: then, the, the, the Memphis uh, Stack Sound, you right. had the Philly Sound, you had the uh, California uh, Beach boy sound
1: mm-hmm and that's uh, all like and you had Bob Dylan there are all these huge yeah. things happening in music Folk was it
0: and and that all of that was it sort of like at the same time in yeah the
1: 60s. I mean it's so arguably the best the decade of music
0: right you had your choice. it was very exciting that was a very exciting period for music
1: is was it was experiencing that as monumental as it seems, or was it because you were living at the time, it wasn't until later that you realized how really well, unique you know, it was?
0: Oh, you know, I actually felt the excitement and the, the phenomenon of the time. I actually felt that. I, mm-hmm. I realized that was something... Different. It was something different about that. And I didn't think it was because it was my time, you know? Right. Uh, uh, and everybody loves their time. Like with kids, mm-hmm. I know I've told you all before, uh, I couldn't, un- I said, you you aren't going to know what cartoons really were like. Cause we had Mickey Mouse, and Donald Duck, and all of them. And somebody said that doesn't matter. Their time is going to be exciting for them. And right, and yeah, I mean we, we look I, at that was true. You know, yeah. yours, whatever cartoons you guys had. GI
1: Joe, I was,
0: <laughs> or ex- yeah, that was your excitement, and that's what you will always treasure
1: right but it, that, this was different what you're experiencing right in
0: i realized it was different and it was something that would probably last because it it just had it, it was it was monumental the sound of all of that different music and i knew those some of those people like stevie wonder I saw Stevie Wonder once, but I know he was big. He got big when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, when I was in college, he got big. He was a little Stevie Wonder then, Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody knew that he was going to be special. Yeah. Uh, uh, I saw Collar Thomas. Uh, Her father was Rufus Thomas. You might not Know anything about this? But she made the song "Gee Whiz." Um, she—they she, were from Memphis, but she moved to Nashville because she went to Tennessee and uh, State University, which was down the street from us. Okay, that's where all of the big sports people were.
1: Yeah, I mean that the sixties was Joe just a Bilham. crazy time in general.
0: It was. It was just a phenomenal time with the music and um, the civil rights right. struggle. Uh, it all started coming to a head in the 60s.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and and the time of the Kennedys. And yeah. do it, you was, think, it was a phenomenal time.
1: Do you think that the music of that time period or the entertainment of that time period, it being so great was something that helped people get through the tough stuff like the just like oh all I know the tough it did.
0: Yeah I know it did. It that, all of that was tied in together. Mm-hmm. The time and and the spirit of the times. It was all tied in together. The excitement of changing, uh, things were changing and we knew it. Even though some people, a lot of people, got hurt, a lot of people got killed, it was a dangerous time. But we knew, we just felt that there, that, that a change was really coming. Oh, I saw Sam Cooke.
1: Yeah, I mean he, and the, he was an interesting person because he sounded great, but people kind of considered him to be doing bubblegum type, easygoing music. And then he <laughs> did, change is gonna come.
0: Yeah. Well, he did. Uh, he did pop music too. Mm-hmm. Sam Cook was phenomenal. All of that music that he wrote, he owned. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, Ray Charles and mm-hmm. James Brown, people mm-hmm. didn't know that about them. And so back then, when when the record companies owned everything about you, mm-hmm. those owned they owned their own music that's how they got so wealthy
1: so, yeah that's um that that's something though to see I mean what from uh, uh the perspective you had of Sam cook because he was he was not considered somebody who would write the sort of music that a change is gonna come is like no, that sort of serious and, stuff and
0: some of his other some of his other sounds um uh, he but if you listen to some of his old albums, he has as much um, new jazz sound on those on those albums as he did the Silky Soul sound that, that they attribute to him. So
1: he was always kind of versatile. Uh-huh. So it wasn't so much of a surprise when he... Because I, I just heard I don't remember if it was you but somebody was saying people were surprised with a change is going to come because it just wasn't that was just such a more serious th- song than he had ever done before.
0: Well, I think he was talking about the civil rights
1: struggle. He was he was and uh, and he was uh, going through personal struggle because his um his son had died like months before that in a yeah. tragic accident. It was like newborn or so. it was like very young son. Um, yeah, died previous to that, so I I, I just, I think it would be kind of interesting if, like, Justin Bieber came out and wrote a song that was really powerful and meaningful, because we don't expect that of him, and I'm just wondering if if it was that much of a surprise. It wasn't
0: like that, though, no. It
1: wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh
0: No, because people who who knew his music and really enjoyed his music, Mm -hmm. knew and listened to it from the albums knew how versatile his albums were.
1: Ah, yeah, okay.
0: But I understand what you're saying. That statement is true. People said it sounded as though he knew something was about to happen or something was about to change. Mm-hmm. They said the same thing with Otis Redding. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the dock of the bay, it was like they he knew something was going to happen.
1: Yeah, and that was something... Um, I read that when he wrote that song, I guess the woman he was with heard it and she was sort of thrown off by that style of sitting on the dock Yeah, the bay.
0: that was different from uh, from his real soulful sounds. Right. That accent, because he, he and the Barkays and who else, they, they were a part of... Uh, that stack
1: sound they they Mm -hmm. they made it really yeah they yeah i sitting on the dock of the bay for me when i hear it it just sounds so soulful because of his voice so i never really thought it at first as being so different but then when you listen to the other songs he did it's clearly different but um it doesn't seem that starkly different because i'm growing up where in a, in an era where there isn't that much of a difference,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and it's it's just being given to me as, like here's something pretty soulful,
0: yeah. Oh, um, and I had Cool in the gang on the show. They were real nice guys.
1: Yeah, I mean Quiet. Now they that was before um, they had Celebrate Good Times because that was their '80s hit, right? Cool in yeah. the gang.
0: Uh, yeah, I had them in the '70s. And, uh, but they were big, mm-hmm. they were big in the seventies. That was just before they got, before they had their breakthrough.
1: Yeah. Now you didn't become a performer yourself, but didn't you, no. you, you told me that at one point in time, you wanted to be a dancer.
0: Yes. uh, uh and uh, yeah, I used to dance all the time. I could do all of the dances do split <laughs> i used to do all of those dances but uh I, I knew i knew that was something that was difficult to do and it wasn't a long-term thing back then like it can be now because people have the dancing schools and
1: Mm-hmm. and you're not talking about like you didn't want to be a ballet dancer you wanted to be no
0: no
1: um, like a backup dancer.
0: Uh-huh. Like, uh huh. Like a backup dancer now. Like J
1: Lo was. Right. You you wanted to be a fly girl.
0: Yeah, but I knew, I didn't, that wasn't out then, but I, 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 I that's what I wanted to do. But when I grew up, <laughs> I realized that at that time, dancing wasn't a, uh, uh <laughs> It wasn't a lucrative profession. Right. And it didn't last long.
1: What made you want to do my, it?
0: Because I loved it so much. I loved dancing from the time I was a, a little thing. Mm-hmm. It just came naturally to me, and I, I enjoyed it. it. It was a way to express how I felt about the song in my mind. You know, I listened to the music and I could feel it, and I would dance to it by myself in front of a mirror in the dining room, in the living room, and I just, uh, I just enjoyed it. That was the way I expressed myself
2: Hmm.
0: by myself. Yeah. But out at the den because they had a lot of dances for kids. Then the churches had dances. The schools. Had dances that was one of the things that teenagers could do right down the street from us was a recreational uh, center for kids and um we would dance there. I was always dancing mm. that's all I wanted to do was dance there There were no problems with drugs then uh. So, can you imagine there was a time when there there was no problem with drugs
1: at a dance club?
0: <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, at a nightclub, or the only thing people did at nightclubs was drink.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine that because ever since I was little, when I heard about nightclubs and dance clubs, it was within the context of like Scarface or so, you know, something that had a lot yeah. to do with drugs.
0: Yeah. And they had rooms where you could do, go and do, do just do drugs. It was not like that when Studio Fifty
1: Four, I guess, changed all that. Yeah. Well, so you had given up. I guess I shouldn't say given up on your idea of being a a dancer, but you realized it wasn't something you could make a living at. And I did
0: not back then. Not when I wanted to be a dancer. You couldn't really make a only a handful of people could make a living at dancing and um
1: just isn't what it is now.
0: Right. It, it was just different.
1: Um when I was little is when I said I wanted to be an actor um and I don't <laughs> really remember what your response to that was. How did you feel when you heard I felt- that?
0: At my response, my feeling, I'm, I may not have voiced my opinion or my feeling at the time, because I probably didn't think you were serious, <laughs> but um, my, my original thought was, he's not going to really be able to make a living at that. He needs something.
1: When I was five, you were were thinking that when I was five and six? Uh,
0: Well, no, when you were five or six and saying that, I just dismissed it because I figured you were going to change. You know, most kids go through several changes. They go Mm -hmm. through several stages where they want to be something different at each stage. And I figured that's what you were going to do.
1: But Only then I didn't give it up.
0: saying, yeah, you yeah. never stopped saying, I want to be an actor. And then, well, you did start saying, I want to be a comedian.
1: hmm I did say that, and then I was like, you know, in my mind, they were kind of one in the same. Um, yeah. But when I got more aware of stand-up, then I thought, oh, that would be super fun, because I was really into stand-up. But I... um I saw, I was just thinking about like Robin Williams, and I thought, oh, well, he kind of has a thing, and I don't have a thing like that because I didn't realize that you can come up with your own thing. So I sort yeah. of let go of the stand up part, but just still wanted to do comedy and be an actor. Yeah. Um, so your concern was just how can someone make a living doing that? Um, so you didn't. Um,
0: yeah, especially in South Carolina. Right. And uh, so, it, for, and that concerned me because you didn't want. Uh, you kept saying you didn't want to go to college. Well, when well, we I finally, I remember saying got, I didn't
1: want to go to college.
0: Yes, you did.
1: I just don't remember saying. it. And saying you I were did.
0: in high school. No, I when they, I was in uh, high
1: school, I wanted to go to college. You
0: were in the tenth grade. You didn't say anything. Or start saying you would go to college until your junior year, and I mean toward the latter part of your junior year, because I was very concerned.
1: Oh, Trust
0: I, me, I was I just, very concerned. I
1: probably just didn't do a good job explaining you what I was thinking, but when I was in junior high, I said it would be cool to go to UNC because I really like Chapel Hill. So I was in 7th, 8th grade saying I wanted to go to college. I probably just didn't say it around you and didn't realize that I needed to let you you know that. Well, I sure
0: wish you had because I was very concerned about that. (laughs) Then when you finally said you would go, but you were still determined to be an actor, then at least we got you to uh, major in communications. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't what you were going to major in at first, but... At uh, first,
1: it was uh, theater.
0: Oh, at, yeah. Yeah, and and we got you to think about the whole thing.
1: Well, yeah, it was... It was
0: Everything connected um, with... Oh,
1: uh, well, yeah, because Mass um, the, Comm the was pointed out as being... Um, uh you know more like what I was involved with, and i so I looked at it and I thought, oh yeah, that does seem more like uh stuff that I do because Trey and I were playing around with recording equipment for fun, so yeah, well,
0: well, yeah you always that was a part of your childhood, just like music was a part of mine, mm mm-hmm. We didn't grow up with computers and technology like you all did. You all grew up with it, and it's ju- it just comes easy to you. Does not come easy to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But but that did. It was still sort of like with enough in the vein uh, that it was easy for me to jump right on to. Uh, onto mass so that's when you finally got sort of comfortable with me Right, I wanted to be an actor
0: before then I was very concerned about how you might be able to make a living or not right yeah I I felt much better when you uh, that's when I relaxed
1: (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) that at all
0: oh my goodness uh, you don't, let, let's
1: put it this way. You don't remember that. I vaguely I do, remember a time where I was sort of like, I don't know, maybe I don't need to go to college, but I remember more times. All of the times. I just don't remember saying it all of the time because I remember and, more times where I was thinking about going. Maybe because you're the you're, you know, my mom. Hearing me say it even a, a few times just magnifies it so much. Because it's scary. To, <laughs> if you yes. think that's the only way to make <laughs> it's a living, a
0: child going to do
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: or it's going to live.
1: I, I, yeah, well, I understand all that. And that's the main thing that I think parents are worried about.
0: Yes.
1: It's just you want to, you just want to know that the kid's going to be all right.
0: That's right.
1: When did, um, when I actually was performing, which was after school, what was your sort of take on that when I was getting involved with that?
0: Well, I enjoyed it then. I realized how good you really were. And uh, I enjoyed it, but, uh, uh, you you know, I I had never spent a lot of time in comedy clubs. Right. Because we didn't have that here, and even when I lived in D.C. or New Jersey or, uh, where else did I live, Uh, North Carolina or Tennessee, that, that wasn't the thing to go to comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't um, I hadn't been a part of that. Even when I lived in in uh, D.C., I, I wasn't uh, geared toward going out to a comedy club. We went to a, a nightclub or um, concerts. Or something like that, right? And there and there were so many nightclubs at the time. So that's what people did. It just it wasn't like it is now. There were really nice nightclubs, jazz clubs.
2: Mm-hmm. We
0: would go to Philly a lot, and and um, there there were a couple of really nice jazz clubs. It, it was it was nice. That's where I first saw Roberta Flack. Oh, wow. was a jazz club in D.C. because she was teaching there and singing on the weekends. And uh, then she made an album, and it blew up. It was uh, the first time ever I saw your face. Mm. And it just blew up. And then she was off and running. Uh, but I saw her in a jazz club, a real night nice, what was the name, Mr. Henry's? Can't remember, but it was a really nice jazz club. It was a lot of those in D.C. and Philly. And um, uh, we, when I lived in New Jersey, we would go to, that was the very first time I saw The Temptations, was that Cherry Hill Night Supper Club.
1: If I had told you when I was little that I wanted to be a musician since you loved music and it was such a part of your childhood and growing up uh, and coming of age, would you have been more comfortable, do you think?
0: I doubt it because I knew how um, difficult life is on the road for bands. Yeah. Uh, that's... Now, talking about the... Uh, how drugs when I was growing up drugs just wasn't a problem with the average person out there it was the the average musician yeah and maybe not all musicians maybe not the
1: average but you know Uh, uh, know, a a lot of
0: uh, drug addicts were musicians yeah and uh, that was probably because they were in a different place every night playing someplace. They never got a time off. They were either on the bus. They didn't get to rest properly. Because uh, that's how Billie Holiday got started.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's, that's a, I guess that is an extra thing to be concerned about.
0: Yeah. On, so on top I'll, of being
1: successful, been, there's the drug use.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have been happy about that either. Mm. Uh, but, uh, because that's still a difficult life.
1: Right. Well, when I got into professionally starting to act, you were the one who gave me money for headshots. So you oh. were, you had gotten comfortable, I guess, for me pursue it, to pursue it when I was in my late twenties or whatever it was. It was when I, it was I've, when that. I
0: wanted to be supportive, but, uh, um, I still didn't quite see how you were going to be very successful other than being a, a local uh celebrity, you know, I couldn't see how you would branch out if you were going to be here
1: right, well, yeah, obviously if you branch out you gotta you gotta go elsewhere. It's where Atlanta could be a good option yeah. if you're down there right.
0: Especially now, because uh, you know, so many people film in Atlanta now. Mm -hmm. So many musicians record in Atlanta now. So it's uh, that that would have been that would have been easier.
1: Yeah, it's it is a lot easier now to, as a musician or an actor or stand up, to uh, get a lot of gigs in any sort of I guess top 40 city. Right. Um in the country. But still branching out. I mean, that's why I came up here. Um yeah. to New York. Uh so when I said we're moving to New York, what was what were your concerns or thoughts then?
0: <laughs> I just knew I was going to be here. Uh, um you know, I have a uh, cousins here, but not First cousin. Right. Um, and uh, so I knew I was going to be completely. You were in Greenville and I'm here. That's different, but still, you know, 45 minutes and you could have been here if something happened, like when I was in the car accident. Right. So I knew I was going to be alone, and that was a little frightening. Yeah. I still haven't settled down from that, but, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay.
1: Yeah, that is the tough part. I think for me too, that was, uh, the tough part coming up. Um, and, uh, that I think is this, the thing that people have to consider when they are, uh, trying to make these big steps in their, in their life um, it's reconciling the uh, what they're leaving behind with what they're hoping to yeah. move towards because what we leave behind is is tangibly there, uh, but what we hope for is not tangible yet because who Absolutely. knows what the future holds? So, um, right. that's the stuff that sort of that makes it hard. But, um, and you know, we're at the beginning of this. We've only been here a couple of months, so it's hard to. Really know, um, but it, and and it's all still kind of raw right now. So it's hard yeah. to really know um, the best way to move forward, other than to just take it one day at a time. Right, and everything's been okay so far. <laughs> you know, yeah, like,
0: and that's all anybody can do with any type of profession or career or whatever, any type of any type of a uh, life move. It it that's it's
1: gonna be that way. What uh, if if you could give advice to a, other mothers? Maybe they have a young kid that's saying they want to go into acting, or maybe they have a, a grown child who is uh, gonna move away. What sort of advice would you give them now that you have experienced that? Well,
0: if if the child or, you know, whatever, uh, somebody that you're close to that's moving away, make sure they have a plan and um, try to be supportive. Just try to be, even though you may be frightened, you try to be supportive and because uh, everybody needs that. hmm everybody needs to know that they have somebody behind them supporting them um, so just try try to be positive and not negative because mm-hmm. that's that's the that's what can destroy or lift somebody in anything not just moving away or uh, deciding what college to go to or what job to take it does you know you that that person needs to understand what they want and what they expect from that position or that move or what whatever it is Mm -hmm. and uh, once they know that then they just need somebody being positive with them
1: let's say best case scenario is uh, My career advancing here and me, me, my career taking off here. And so they're the perks that come to mothers when their child is successful in the entertainment industry. What do you want? Because this is what the, when, when like Chris Rock or whoever hit it big, they like bought their mom a house or they bought their mom a car or they introduced them to somebody that they love. Who, what would you want? Would you rather me? Uh, <laughs> get you a car or introduce you to Bruno Mars
0: (laughs) well you can introduce me to Bruno Mars anyway let me see one of his shows (laughs) but uh, uh, that could be any time but I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I would just want to be stable for the rest of my life
1: well, that's the, that's the ticket. <laughs> well, there it is. Thanks for being on the podcast, Mommy.
0: Okay.
1: And happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Sweet episode. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. And, uh, you know, that movie PCU, they went to see Parliament Funkadelic play at a party. My mom was essentially the person who made that sort of thing happen at ant <laughs> pcu movie that didn't really do that well wasn't critically acclaimed however it did give us the line don't be that guy what are you doing wearing the t-shirt of the band you're gonna go see don't be that guy yeah that came from that movie well anyway uh, it's nothing to do with mother's day i hope you had a great mother's day and i hope you enjoyed this chat Don't forget, you can follow us and like us on Facebook and Twitter at ThereItIsPod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. Until next time, be good to each other.
0: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.